You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Hello and welcome to Friday Conversations. I'm Keith Smith and this is... Matt. Hello. Good evening. <laughs> yes. Hello and just in case you're watching it on YouTube in the future, yes it is just about Christmas. It's the 23rd of December and so I thought I would come in my best Christmas jumper. I hope oh. you like it. Ho, ho, ho. Very yeah. nice. Yes, yes. So... Keen Gardener. Very good. Very good. Like it. So, tonight we're looking at um, the book blessed broken and given um, we've been studying this now for um, the last nine weeks or so with a, a couple of breaks for talking to different organizations um, and tonight we're covering the very last chapter so we've finally got to the end now I've already put a question on the chat so we have live chat here and we ask you to get involved with that chat because this is a conversation it's a conversation between Matt and I but it's also a conversation with you so we put a question out there which if you've read the book will make good sense if you haven't makes sense anyway answer the question and we'll read them out and we'll talk about what you've brought just but in case people haven't got access to the live chat if ah. they're watching this later because sometimes YouTube can play back the chat but sometimes it doesn't work okay. for whatever reason we don't know but it just sort of you say the question then. so the question is and um, what are you hungry for so that's what the question is so you can input or think about that okay what are you hungry for so we thought then before we actually get to where we're going in the book the last chapter it would be good to actually just summarize what's happened so far so, so if we just look at the book then, um, and we'll do bits each, um, the book's actually split, in, split into three sections. Surprisingly, blessed, broken, and given. Um, and blessed was the introduction. So I, I was, we were just talking at the beginning about what we, we thought of the book and what we remembered. So for me, blessed, the most important thing about um, blessed for me was the fact that um, we are blessed lots of people say bless you or you know things like that where the implication is that somehow you you can have a period of time when you're not blessed mm. okay well actually or living your perfect life is i am blessed yes whereas when things are all going wrong or i'm feeling depressed or whatever then i'm not blessed yeah right whereas actually to be frank we're blessed all the time because god has already blessed us by the fact that we've been created and we can have a relationship with him and he wants to bless us and even if people don't know him he's still blessing them he's still pouring out his blessings on them and really that was the the, the key part of the first um, section of this is that God actually is chasing after us all the time he's blessing us he's trying to do things for us he's trying to help us through life he's trying to guide us and give us wisdom and encouragement and support and be a really good dad so we are blessed even if we're totally unaware of it. Mm. So for me, that was something that's really stuck in my mind. Mm. It's also about identity and calling as well. Who, who we are as um, God's children. Who, what does that look like? What does that mean? And how we should be finding our identity in, in Jesus and who he says we are and not in... Yes. chasing after things that you know 
the world says this is important or you you are only successful if and all that kind of thing yeah yeah so so again we, we can bring in another question if you want to say what about those first three chapters do you particularly remember what is it that you learned from them that would be really good so yeah mm. feel free to add that into the conversation so go on i've done blessed so do broken well. so broken started to look at so blessed was more like an individual um thing to, thinking about us and god as mm -hmm. it were and, and our, our personal relationship with him the broken bit starts to talk about and, and look at um a communal dynamic where we start to think about um other people and that our brokenness because because quite a lot of the time we don't want to be broken it's not nice we we try and avoid it we'd much rather not be broken and hey let's fix things let's let's mend things let's paper over the cracks and and make everything look good um, but actually explaining and understanding that brokenness will happen but that's okay and it opens us up in a way mm -hmm. to the grace of God in in a way that if we weren't broken we wouldn't necessarily be able to understand that or receive that from him so sort of saying you know it's okay to be broken um, and of course all of this is using a bread metaphor all the way throughout yep. so that that really helps as well um, and so this brokenness that we can have in our lives can actually open us up to God's grace, but also helps us to connect with um, the community around us, the church that's formed by that grace. Yep, yep. And, and so again, for me, what was important, so the brokenness isn't something that God wants us to be. Yeah. It, it is, it is the fact that we live in a fallen, fallen world. world. So we're broken because we live in this world that's got sin in it. And that's what breaks us. However... God can use that. Absolutely. That's exactly it. So, so he takes what, what's broken in our lives. And sometimes people go, if only that hadn't happened. Or if, if um, that part of my life could be removed or whatever. But actually, that is part of what you've done. Part of who you are. And God can use it. And God can take it and bless it and anoint it. And just as, um, so just as the brokenness of Jesus, mm. he, he used to bless the whole world. Mm. So he can take our brokenness, he can use it. It's not that he wanted it to happen. It's not that that was his goal, but in the brokenness, he can use it and make something wonderful out of it. In the brokenness, we can still find life and we can still find Absolutely. grace. Yeah. And it means the other bit that's really good about it is that we don't have to be perfect. That's it. That's it. Yes, we don't have to be perfect. In fact, it, it's, it's nonsense. The concept of being perfect is just utter nonsense in itself. And the whole thing about the metaphor of bread as well is it just helps us, as, it helped me as well, um, think about the normality, the sort of the mundanity of life, sort of not just in the, oh, you know, life isn't perfect, but God can meet us yep. in that and use that, but also in the ordinary. Yes. In the everyday, and bread is an ordinary, everyday sort of basic food stuff, and 
even in that, it's so rich and full of what God can do. Yes. Even in the basicness, even in the boring bits of life. Um, so, yeah, if life isn't fireworks and amazing things happening all the time, well, that's also okay. Yep. Because even in the step-by-step -step plodding through everyday stuff, God can still be involved even there and still use that and meet us and help us yes good okay so broken what was anybody got anything special out of broken did you get something particular again for you does it made you start to think about things and stuff out of that okay so the next what part then is given so out of all this blessed and broken then the next strand is the idea that we can take that and it goes beyond us. So we can then give. So just as God gave his son, just as Jesus gives, so we in ourselves have been called to give and be givers and to take what we've got and, and share it around and, and to give to others both within the church and outside the church. So, so we see lots of outworkings of that in all sorts of different ways. Mm. And for us as a, a church, so they're part of our pillars. This, this represents in a real way the pillars that we build our church on. So it's our relationship with God, our relationship with each other as a church, and then our relationship with the community as a whole. And it's only by having the, the first one, then the second and the third, that we actually fulfill the whole vision. And of course, the whole point of the vision, what we're trying to do is to build disciples make everybody mature in Christ yep. and well okay well how do you how do you disciple someone well it's those three things it's not just you know attend a course tick a box now I'm a disciple you know hooray uh, it, it's living out and working out those those three things building relationship with Jesus learning more about him building relationship yep. with each other and then also serving those around us just just like this being blessed being broken and being given and as we do all three of those things we learn more and more about yep. us and god and each other and we grow exactly in our discipleship in a real and practical way it's not you know just attend some five step whatever and you know you get your certificate at the end it's not that it's this continual learning and growing not just yourself but together as a group um and learning from each other and being yep. part of the family of god and then that outworking into the community and the world around us yes and that's that's key so none of this makes any sense until you live it out so let, let's let's be clear. Certainly for me, it's only the the fruit. The, what is it? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. You can know as much theory as you like. You can have read as many books as you want. You can do as many Bible studies as you like. Yeah. Um, but the only way you actually see it is in the relationship between me and my brothers and the other people around me. And it, it's in that giving that we see all the rest of it. Okay. So, yeah. that's that's a very quick summary. Well, let me just let me just read a little bit because I think it summarizes what we've just been saying. Just yeah, as he starts it off. 
So food and drink are the most basic human needs and they are a picture for us, for our humanness. We were not made to be self-sufficient. We need something from the outside to sustain us, to nourish us, to feed us. Ultimately, we need the Creator Himself. So, yeah, this whole hunger, what are we hungry for? Have we got any responses on what we're hungry for? There you go. Eh, your phone's <laughs> playing up. I um, Maggie, like Maggie said, um, I'm hungry for the non-Christians I know to come to faith. And I myself want to know God better and experience Him more, especially in victory over sin in my life. Hmm. And Jackie is responding. Good one, Maggie. I want to know him more too. I'm also excited by God being in the middle of his people. Anything can happen, even in the small things. Knowing that God is perfect, but I'm not, takes the pressure off. However, I also want to be following him so he can be changing me for the better, however long it takes. Thank you both for those. I'm hungry for the Christmas cake I've decorated <laughs> this afternoon. <laughs> On a physical level, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> Especially Christmas cakes, because they you have them for a long time sitting around and you're not allowed, you have to wait. Anyway. What are you hungry for? But what else are we hungry for? It can be physical food, but it can also be like Maggie and Jackie have been saying, um, sort of a yearning or a desire in your heart for what you want to see God yes. doing. And that's the whole thing with this whole bread metaphor and the bit from the book that I've just read, it's it's acknowledging that for us to be sustained, for us to be nourished, for us to live, we need to access the bread of life, yep. which is an external source yeah, yeah. to ourselves. It doesn't come from us. We need to eat the bread. We yep. need to, yeah, be hungry for the bread, for the things of God, um, rather than thinking that we're okay because we can we can do it all. Yeah, and and this this chapter that we're looking at, or the postlude we were just oh. we never heard of this I've never before. heard of that word before it fascinated a prelude yes and now here we have a postlude have you ever come across the term postlude before if you have tell us <laughs> where we might find another example of a postlude but here we go this could be a first it's a first for me postlude yes there you go so the, in the postlude so the the key the thing summary basically <laughs> the conclusion <laughs> Yes. So in this in this section, then we've got to the stage, and he starts to try and bring it all together. And one of the questions he starts to ask, or one of the, the pictures he starts to paint, is of the fact that we all have appetites, and we know that because um, so uh, uh, yeah, I'm driven by food, but I'm also driven by other appetites that um, that my body calls on me. And indeed, in the world as a whole, there's all sorts of appetites that. that advertisers and all sorts of people pull on those all the time and try and, and, and indeed it might be that you've never even thought about it and they almost create the appetite within you and make mm, it mm. make it grow within you so there's those appetites which are all about me and what I want and what I can get and and the world and then there's other appetites there's there's God's appetites so so he uses two um, stories from Mark's Gospel to illustrate this. So we thought it'd be worthwhile, just in case you don't know the stories, reading them. So Matt's going to read the first one, um, and I'll read the second one. And then we can talk about the stories, even if you haven't had a chance to read them already. 
So the first one is about John the Baptist. Um, actually, the death of John the Baptist. It does appear in other Gospels in the Bible, but I'm going to be taking it from Mark. Um, and of course, straight after this, in the same chapter of Mark, immediately after, is the bit that Keith's going to read. And you can compare the two, and we'll be doing a bit of that um, afterwards. So, John the Baptist beheaded. This is Mark chapter 6, if you have your Bible, starting at verse 14. Mark chapter 6, verse 14. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others say, he is Elijah. And still others claim he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, is raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given the orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. That's interesting all in itself, isn't it? Finally, the opportunity came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a dish. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison and brought back his head on a dish. He presented it to the girl and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Okay, so that's the first story. Here's the second one. The angels, uh, the angels, I'm sorry, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many people saw them leaving and recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. 
They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in a groups of hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Mm. So, so we have this, this the Gospel of Mark deliberately putting the two stories together to contrast them and the, the author. They're both about feasts. Absolutely. They're both about a big group of people eating a meal together. And both of them about the appetites that were being expressed here. Yeah. But one appetite isn't just eating, it's all about image, power, prestige. Mm. And that's the first one. Mm. It's all Performance about. Performance as well. She has to dance in order to be right. granted a request. And, and indeed. Then the he doesn't want to lose face in front of everyone else, even though he knows that by doing so he'll be doing something wrong he goes ahead with it because he doesn't want to look weak or anything in front of the important people and yeah and this is all playing to those internal um well internal weaknesses our own fears and phobias our own feelings of um you know what will people think of me and what mm. you know will i match up to what the expectation is it's all about trying to impress and, all and it's stuff. also about trying to be number one as well because yep. it's only the important people that were invited to the king's banquet only the leading people and so you know everyone wanting to be there well I, i'm an i'm an important person i get invited or why wasn't i invited am i not important or maybe it's like an ambition. I really want to be invited because yep. that will mean I've arrived, you know. And and just in case anybody's thinking that this is the type of stuff that only happens, you know, we might go, oh, that's very <laughs> worldly. I, I can tell you straight that I've been to um, lots of church meetings and lots of conferences and things like that where that's, that image is 100% played out, where you have to wait for the most important person and people are obviously performing and people are obviously trying to you know get to the right place and share the right thing and say the right thing and it's not about um you know it's not about everybody being equal and, and sharing in it actually it can infiltrate the church just as much as yeah. anywhere else yeah. yeah and we can all get suckered into it we, we can yeah and you can get jealous. I know that if, if I'm being honest in, in my life as I've done things and so on, there've been lots of times when, oh, when I was a teacher, um, I applied for jobs and other people got the jobs. And I, I felt, but that's not fair. Why did they get the job? I've been working just as hard. I can do the job just as well. I can do this, I can do that. And it wasn't a case of me being pleased for them and thinking, well, God's got something different for me. Oh no, I was jealous and envious and you know, um, you, you, well, you can even turn sour within you, can't it? So, so it, it's the same for all of us. If we feed that type of appetite, which is actually self-centered, mm. it doesn't lead to a great place. Well, it leads to, to death. 
leads to a hair on a dish. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And the, and the key thing is that they don't realise is it, it could well be their head on the dish. It could yeah. even be our, it could be our head on a dish. Yeah. Because once that gets hold of you, it can lead you into some very terrible places. Yeah. Contrasting with the other feast, um, which kind of happened spontaneously. The people didn't really go because they'd been invited to a meal. Nope. They went to hear Jesus. They were hungry for Jesus rather than hungry for the food. Yes. They, they hadn't heard some posh famous chef was cooking. So, hey, I want to go and taste a bit of that food. Uh, nothing to do with physical food. They, they went because they were hungry for Jesus. They wanted to see what he had to say. They wanted to hear. They, they, they were, and so many of them went, you know, there was a hunger. Yeah. for what he had and they wanted some of that and they wanted to get to know him yes and they don't ask for food either no. the story doesn't say people started grumbling or saying oh where's the nearest restaurant or yeah, whatever the yeah, nearest McDonald's. None, none of that but jesus sensed their need for food and so provided for it that's right and you know we've seen other parts of the bible where god clearly says he will meet our needs he will meet our needs. Hmm. So it, it, here is a, it's just an example. And God will meet our needs even in, in many ways, many times. God has met my need before I even think about it myself. Hmm. He's prepared. To so we see already Jesus' compassion yep. for the people there. And unlike the other story where it was the important people all pushing and shoving, jostling for position, you know, I'm better than you or, you know, yep. get out my way. I want to be at this meal. It's... It's the complete opposite. Jesus is out there with ordinary common folk. Yep. People who don't, you know, hadn't even brought lunch with them. You know, just just people. And it would have been a mixture of, of people from different social yep. backgrounds, social classes, etc. And indeed, people that others would have classed as sinners. Yes, because and they shunned wouldn't. them and you not good enough. Yep. And they, they certainly weren't invited to the posh do. No. Yeah. So, so he sets this, this wonderful picture of the two different kingdoms, the kingdom of earth and the world, where, which leads to death and is all about you know, trying to get one over the top of somebody else and all the rest of it, and this kingdom of God, compassion, compassion and gift and generosity. And, and it ends in abundance. It ends with more than enough. That's right. God has more than enough. Yep, 12 baskets falls left over. Now that, that that's After a After 5,000. Yeah, yep. when we have our church lunches, Clive and Fiona always say, well, there's always loads left over. Well, 12 baskets full. We've never had 12 baskets full yet. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it just, but it's true. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's a great image, and the image he, he demonstrates to us is this comparison of those two kingdoms. Um, he, he moves on. So where, where does it go next? Because you were talking about this bit. Well, I think I'm going to read this little bit um, because it talks about shepherds and it just had a slightly different insight into it that I hadn't thought of before. Um, so he just says, this isn't just a story about two feasts. It's about two kings and two kingdoms. Um, Mark tells us that when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them, yeah. for they were like sheep 
without a shepherd. And this is where we see Jesus' compassion coming into that story yeah, of feeding yeah. of the 5,000. Because when he saw them, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he goes on to say, this is significant, not just a throwaway line. The shepherd imagery, now this is something I was like, oh. The shepherd imagery in the Bible is not some sort of therapeutic image of care and nurture, which is kind of what we think of it as these days. A shepherd was the most comprehensive metaphor in an agrarian society, so an agricultural society that, that they could come up with. It represented a protector, a, a physician, yep. a provider, and a guide. So it makes sense that when the prophets and the poets of Israel wrote about their king, they referred to him as a shepherd. One prophet, Ezekiel, had a particular scathing view offered on behalf of God of the kings of Israel. He called them the shepherds of Israel, but then accused them of having only tended themselves. Instead of tending the sheep, they drank the milk, wore the wool, slaughtered the, the fatted animals. They didn't strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind up the injured, bring back the strays, or seek out the lost. Instead, they used force to rule them with injustice. In short, the shepherds of Israel had not lived up to the metaphor. They were not protectors, physicians, providers, or guides. They failed at the job description for a good king. Yes. And here we see Jesus fulfilling that job description as a good king, as being the good shepherd. Yes. And providing a shepherd for the sheep who were without one. Yes. And that includes us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and within that, I mean, if you just look at the contrast between the two, so one shepherd is, is quoted as eating the sheep, and I understand the, the, the imagery there, and you know, in today's society, I'm sure shepherds, Dog eats dog and all yeah, that kind of right. thing, yeah. But in the other one, he lays his life down yeah. for the sheep. He protects, he fights the wolf, he fights the lion as it was in those days. He's the person who puts his life on the line before the sheep. Mm. And when the sheep are in danger, he goes and puts himself in danger to save them and to get them out. It is, it's an amazing contrast. And, mm. um, you know, well, I'm just glad that Jesus did that for me. Anyway, mm. Matt, Matt looked to the clock, which was very sensible because we're halfway. Um, whilst you're... Whilst you're um, we, we're going Thinking to go to the, yeah, the songs and stuff like that. We've got some, uh, well, let's give you a couple of things, a couple of questions. Okay. So, what, what was the main thing that um, you learned and uh, you're going to take away from this? Okay. So, not just today's talk. No. We're talking about the whole book, the whole, the whole book. series. What was All the main thing that's really stuck with you? Yeah. What, what's in that in your head? And, how are you going to put that into action? So have a think about it. What, what is, what's the thing that's stuck with you? And what are you going to do about it effectively? Mm. And you can think about that while the songs are on. Just before we have the songs, oh, we don't have any notices this week because it's Christmas <laughs> and things are different. So just to say that we are, our church is joining with the United Churches service at the Baptist Church on Christmas Day. So that's Sunday the 25th at 10 a.m. at the Baptist Church in Wisbeach. So that's where we're going to be joining with a group of other churches. We all, all get together on Christmas Day. Usually it's the Baptist Church turn to host this year. Um, and the hosting goes around the different churches yep. as well. Each year it's somewhere different. 
Um, so if you'd like to join us on Sunday, on Christmas Day, um, that's where we're going to be, 10 o'clock at Wispy Prashmas Church. Um, otherwise, we've just got a couple of Christmas songs for you, and we'll be back after this. Enjoyed the little episode there from Home Alone. Um, I always think of that whenever I hear that song. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's just true. So it's one of my favourite Christmas films. You'll have to ask any of the family. Trust the one with the Christmas jumper to talk about that. Anyway. Anyway, well, of course, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. (laughs) Right. Well, um, thank you. Thank you a lot to everyone who's um, written in about the book and and what you've learned from it, what you're sticking in mind. So we're going to read them out. um, So even if you're not on live chat, you can see what people are saying. So, Jane, even breadcrumbs can lead someone home. I'm going to keep on keeping on, even when I feel I've got little to give. God can still use it to build his kingdom. Mm. Anna said the main thing that she's taking away from the book is not to neglect communion. And Jesus uses us as part of his body. Alan, for me, the most striking aspect of the book was from, uh, was the one, sorry, the for one chapter. For one another chapter. I can't read, can I? No. For one another. Yeah, it's yes. true. Well done. For you can another. read. Go yes. on. You keep going. You next one. <laughs> Lynn says, So often I've tried to hide my brokenness, almost as if I'm ashamed of it. But in reality, the very opposite is true. God can use my brokenness for his purposes if I have the courage to allow him to. Yep. And Joan has said something. on yep. Alan's, on, on Alan's, Alan's feed. feed. Yeah. Yep. So... Here, so Joan, to love one another. Yeah, I read that Why? one. Yeah. Hey, managed. <laughs> Go on, you do the last one. Uh, Jackie said, for me, it was the reminder that God chooses the family and Christ is the center and communion helps focus on that. Yes, and that, that, that helps, um, leads in for me. That's Arnold. Um, as well, Anna and Jackie, because um, for me, certainly the focus on communion has been very important. So. I became a Christian when I was 19. Um, I went to a Baptist church, but when um, I met Anna um, at university, we, I went with her to her church, um, and the church that she was going to was a Reverend church, and on a Sunday morning, there was an hour and a quarter meeting, um, which was communion. And it was a totally free meeting. Anybody could stand up and say what they wanted to, could ask for a song to be sung, um, and I learned so much about the movement of the Holy Spirit there because the Holy Spirit would speak to people and they would share and there'd be a whole thread running through and it'd be different every week and songs would come up and things would link together. Um, and for me personally, it's where the Holy Spirit, I started to hear the Holy Spirit more and I actually got the courage to actually start standing up and that, asking for songs myself and stuff like this. So. Um, I, I, I really got an awful lot out of community at that time and over the last few years I've, it's become less so, it's become almost a habit. Um, and so now I want to really get back into it and, get, and meet Jesus again properly in communion. So, so um, that's the thing that stuck with me. Mm. It's a mixture of things really for me I suppose. I think I agree with Lynn as well, that, that's one of the things um, that, that struck me is the whole brokenness thing. Mm. Um, and yeah just allowing god to that being broken doesn't mean you're useless yes being broken you can still be valuable and be used by god and so so that's good um and also communion for me as well Mm -hmm. um the whole concept of um what does it mean 
and, and, and revisiting that again. And something that I've been thinking about a lot, I, I guess this book might have had a little bit to do with it, um, but it's, it's other thoughts I've been having more, more wider. Mm -hmm. um, I'm putting something together on this very theme myself. So not this theme, but the whole concept of what is church? Right. What, what does church look like? What is church supposed to be? And, and looking at the Bible and, and seeing things about, you know, we are the body of Christ, as well as all the other metaphors that, that the Bible uses and, and looking at that and thinking, well, how does this work? And, and, and are we reflecting what the Bible says? Or are we, you know, some institution that, that doesn't quite match the way that God would like it to be? So just thinking of all those things and some of what's been said in the book has helped to inform that and sort of shape some of those thoughts mm. um, as I've been sort of digging in and looking around that, that whole subject. So the book's coming soon. <laughs> mm. It's good. And I, I, I think it's good to, it's good to read books. I don't, I don't tend to read books very often myself now because um, I just read so much at work. I just spend so much of my time reading emails, papers, um, stuff from the government, contracts, all sorts of things. Um, and so you, you can get detached. And the main thing I read, if, and I'm not being pious, but uh, the main thing I read is the Bible. So because I want, I want to meet with Jesus, so I read it every day. Um, so other books get put to one side. But in this book, what I found is that the Holy Spirit's met me within the book. And I've remembered mm. again, that God can speak to me through all sorts of channels and I need to be open to all sorts of channels to, to hear from him and not not narrow it down just because of how busy my life is or mm. how particular, you know, you know, I'm tired of reading. Well, actually, you know, don't shut that down. Actually keep your ears open. Mm. Um, mm. And just how wonderful Jesus, Jesus genuinely is. Mm. It's, it's so easy to forget and and when especially when christmas comes around i, I don't know about you but it, it's just so easy because we've yeah i'm 61 this is my 61st time i've heard all this and and in some respects you could just be very glib so it's like it's like what we're saying about communion about bread mm. when you get a loaf of bread you can just in a sense just stuff it in yeah you know, and not in a sense, almost not even notice yeah. what you're eating, and not even, not even pay attention to this thing. It's, it, um, yeah, you get a sandwich. You're on the a journey. You get a sandwich in one of those just you know, grab lunch, one as lunch you, things, and you know, yeah. you well, just, you're in the petrol station. You just reach to the side and grab a, grab a baguette or whatever. Yeah, and you just don't take any attention, do yeah. you? And yet, what what the invitation here to do is to sit down and actually think about what you're doing to, and to yeah. imbibe it and take it in and actually absorb it and enjoy it and, mm. you know, and, and just take a moment. So, so, you know, all those things are really good. I think it's, it's a really good challenge. And yeah, uh, so, so I found the good, the book really helpful. And, and, you know, I'll say to you, Matt, uh, because you were the one that suggested it, I think it was a really good idea. So, um, so thank you for that. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it as well, and and the discussions and seeing what everyone else has got out of it as well has been, it's been really good. Mm. Um, we've got a few minutes left, yep. so we've talked kind of per personally about what we've got out of it, um, and 
I think there's a couple more things coming that I'll read oh, right. before before I lead us down the next little path. Okay. Um, Jackie's saying, for me, it was the reminder that God chooses the... F- oh, we read that bit. Alan, um, the book has re-emphasized the importance of communion in all its aspects. And Jackie says, I also struck that the book came out of a lived experience of the church that spanned 20 years. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's not just making it up. It's not no, just a theory. They've actually walked this yes lived it and lived it yeah that is very true um so talking about living it (laughs) um, as as a church then it's also led led us as some of the leaders um to to look at something slightly different that we're going to be doing in the new year do you want to say a little bit about that we haven't quite it hasn't quite solidified yet no um in our minds but uh, we yeah, can yeah, share so, a bit about it. And it, it's about the fact of some of the different things that um, have struck us. So again, one of the things that struck me when I was reading the book was this whole thing about confession. So actually having the opportunity both to confess, acknowledge that we are sinners, you know, whether by you know, doing the sin or by omission, by not doing things that we should have done, but then actually as well, acknowledging with each other that, that Jesus has paid the price. That at this moment in time, I can acknowledge this and I can be free from it. I can be set free from this. This is not about um, rubbing my nose in it and next week I'll have to come back and pray the same thing over again. Actually, there's a, there's a chance here. Well, it's not a chance. I can be free from this sin. Now, I might well repeat what's happened next week, and I, but I, again, next week, I can be free from it again. And just to keep going, it's back to what James was saying about um, uh, you just keep on keeping on. Mm. Yeah? Mm. So, so part of what we want to do is slow the whole thing down. When you what, say the whole thing, what do you mean? Communion. So within communion, then, what, we've, what we can do is it can almost become oh right this is something we need to do so we give out the cup and we give out the bread and people just quickly break the, the, the bread and don't even really think about what they're doing and can take the cup without, without thinking about it and what we want to do is actually the word intentionality came out didn't it mm. we want to actually take our time a bit longer over it so when we have communion we, we want to take more time over it we don't want it to be at the end the afterthought it could be something um, more in the meat of the, of, the, of the actual meeting we can think about how to engage the children within it and it does, you know so we, we're trying to give the communion more of a, a central place for a while whilst we really engage with it again mm. but as you said those, those ideas are not 100% crystallised are they yet yeah but I think I think we've we've, we've realised that we need to give it more yes. importance and more space and so the way when when communion happens we're still going to be doing it once a month yep um but the way that it happens when we do is going to be different to how we've done it um to try and explore some of these different avenues and areas and being more intentional about it opening up giving more space to it Mm -hmm. um and seeing what the holy spirit will do with it and in it yeah and so and so again if you if you're feeling um, it, that God's talking to you about communion and you feel that God's sharing something with you 
about community in, then we'd ask you to share that with the leadership, whether that's a deacon or an overseer or whoever. Just share what's going on in you because you might have a part to play in this. This yeah. isn't all about the leaders doing this. This is about the church. We as a church coming together and together trying to get a, a grip and understanding of what is God saying to us now through and in communion mm. and, and what does he want us to experience and to grow and how does he want us to develop mm. so so please you know please don't hold back don't think oh my, my contribution is no good my thoughts no good please talk talk with the overseers talk with the deacons talk with you know talk between yourselves okay but share it let it be known so that we can together understand what God's drawing us to. Mm -hmm. And it might well be that we try all sorts of, you know, a few different things because we just want to explore it and see, mm -hmm. well, you know, is this more about it? And, and the, last, the last metaphor about bread, really, okay. So again, what I've realized is that um, we talk about bread, but just how many different types of bread are, are there? there? You know, it is remarkable. At the how start of the book, he talks about all sorts of different know. types of bread all around the world, doesn't he? He does, he does. Yeah. And, and I've come across one. So, um, so just recently, I've come across one where they, it's a, it's a Christmas loaf, of course. It's Christmas, <laughs> a ho, 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 still here, right? But they've actually built it, baked into it somehow, the sage and onion flavor of stuffing, okay? <laughs> so the bread's actually quite heavy, but it's, um, it's a wonderful bread for Christmas. You, it, it really does make you feel like you're eating um, some sage and onion stuffing, right? And, and it, it's like that. So you've got all sorts of things, but the, all these different types of breads, and each one you can get something from. So we don't have to be the same as anybody else. Indeed, what I might get out of it doesn't have to be the same as what you're getting out of it. It doesn't have to be the same as anything mm. because God deals with us as individuals. Mm. And we can, whether as a church or as individual mm. people, God can teach us things yeah. through that. Um, just a, Go a interesting, interesting fact. Go on. Then. A bit of a side step here um, before we finish. But here we go. So chatted to some of the Bulgarians from the All Bulgarian right. yeah, yeah. congregation. Um, they don't call communion communion. Right. And of course, we know Eucharist and all those. The Lord's Supper or the, or the Lord's yeah, Meal yeah, yeah. is what it translates yep. at in Bulgarian. Okay. And here's another one for you. Christmas isn't a word in Bulgarian. Right, okay. That makes they, sense. they don't call Christmas Christmas. It's simply Jesus's birthday. <laughs> so there you go. Thank so you. Merry Christmas. They might look at you like, what are you talking about? You know, have yeah. a good Jesus's birthday. Yeah. They'll know okay. what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> um, Yes, so just a reminder, before I read the last little bit um, to finish off, that we're going to be taking a break for Friday Conversations yep. um, over Christmas and into the new year. We will be picking up Friday Conversations proper again in February. We will let you know more about that. If you want to be kept up to date, so if you're watching this and you're not um, a regular attender of mm -hmm. the King's Church Wispeach or you're watching this and you think, oh yes, I'd quite like to know when that's happening, whatever, just send us an email. Um, you can find our website online and send us an email and we will add you to the list to remind you of what's going on yep. and that'll then alert you to when Friday Conversations are starting up again properly. But between now and February, we will have one or two other 
events um, on a Friday evening. We will again let you know about those um, in advance of them happening. So keep your eyes and ears open and we will look forward to seeing you again then. But I thought it would be great to finish off by letting um, Glenn Packiam, the author of the book we'll be looking at. If you haven't read this book, get a copy. Seriously, it is phenomenal. We have gained so much and God has spoken to us in lots of different yeah, yeah. ways. Um, as, as you can see from the live chat about this book and about God himself, how, yeah, it's a great book. Get a copy and read it. You will be blessed. So here's the last little bit um, that I thought would be fantastic to end with, letting him finish off the series about his book in his own words. So, this is what Jesus does with our lives when we place them in his hands. He takes our stories and makes them sacred. He makes them something more. Your tomorrow may be different from mine. You may live alone or with roommates. You may hate your job or not have one. You may find it hard to see anything beautiful or worthwhile in the moments of your day. You may feel like you're not a witness to much except the depravity of the world. Your own story may just seem too plain or too messed up or too incoherent. You may wonder, is there even a story? And yet, there is Jesus ready to take what you place in his hands. It is these very moments and your very story that he wants to bless and break and give. So come, place your life, your whole story in the hands yes. of Jesus. Offer it to him now. And shall we just pray together to, yeah. to conclude? So Jesus, I am yours. Bless me, break me, give me. Take my story and make it sacred. Make it more than what it could be without you. Make me blessed, broken, and given. Amen. Amen. So, have a wonderful Christmas. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the people around you. Enjoy your friends, if that's who you're going to spend Christmas with. Enjoy the fact that Jesus is with you, as long as you just reach out to him, turn to him, talk to him. Okay? And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in the new year. God bless you. Goodbye.